Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Of course, this is the first day of a new year. We, you know, a lot of people like to make New Year's resolutions. And nothing wrong with making a New Year's resolution. But what, of our, what, are, our re- what are our resolutions based upon? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to read the, the entire chapter. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, Thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the hosts, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan, You shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord hath given your brethren rest, as he hath given you. They also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession, and enjoy it. Which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commanded us we will do. Whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doeth, doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto the words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. So as we look ahead to the new year, We need to rest in the promises of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love, your mercy. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for every need. Thank you for your word that you've given us as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. 
And Father, I pray that you help us to see the importance, the priority of giving heed to all the commands of God. I pray that you would be glorified and we would be helped this day. Lord, we pray that there be any in our midst who have never repented of their sin, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior from sin. I pray that the Spirit of God would rest and convict their hearts and bring them out of repentance, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we're living in, I believe, perilous times and very, a lot of uncertainty in the world. But, and as we look into the new year, there will be new opportunities. There will be new things that we probably never faced before. But we have a God that's already there. He's already there. That he knows the future. He knows the end from the beginning. And this situation, of course, we find in the book of Joshua is a new beginning, if you will, for the children of Israel. It's something that has been promised to them for, for many years. They've been promised this land 400 years ago. And yet it's just now about to come to pass. But I want you to think about something a little bit before we really start this morning. Why did it take so long? Why did it take so long? 40 years ago, at this point, 40 years ago, they could have entered into this land. But it was their own stubbornness and rebellion and doubting of God's promises and not obeying his commands that hindered them for 40 years. And you know, if you and I are going to have the blessing of God in a new year, we've got to give heed to all the commandments of God. And so, I know several things this morning. First of all, there are personal promises here that we find from verses 1 through 5 <clears throat> that God gives to, to Joshua when he says, he says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the words, Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. So, you know, Moses is dead. You know, the old year is dead. It's gone. We can't live in last year. We've got to live right now. We've got to live right now. But, you know, the, the promises that God gave to Moses, he's reiterating them to Joshua. You know, God's promises don't depend on someone else. God's promise to you doesn't depend on someone else. It depends on you. They are to you. And just as God promised to give Moses victory and power to lead his children, God is giving Joshua that same command, that same promise. It's the promise of God's power, of God's protection, of victory over the enemies. And so, and God has given us many promises in His Word. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. 
You know, Jeremiah prophesied against the people that would not hear, but the Lord gave him this promise, Jeremiah 1.18. But behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and a brazen walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. You know, the world is going to oppose you. If you're going to live for God, the world's going to oppose you. But that should not keep us from living for God. That should not keep us from keeping the commandments of God. And you might say, well, if I do that, you know, this, this, and this is going to happen. Are you going to trust God? Or are you going to trust your human reasoning? You know, we need to trust God. Jeremiah could have said, well, well, Lord, if I do that. In fact, at one point in Jeremiah chapter 1, he said, I'm, I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. You know, the, he, he, was, he, was being, he was suffering persecution on, on every side. They wanted to kill him. They put him in a dungeon, in a, in a dungeon where he sunk down in the mire and it took, took men to, with, uh, with uh, 10 men, I think, to, to pull him up out of there. And, and you know, he, he, he almost died in there. And, and so he, he, got, he got weary of this and fearful of this, said, I'm not going to speak anymore. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, and he could not stay, he says. The Lord gave some promises to Paul. You know, Paul, as he traveled from place to place, city to city, preaching the gospel and establishing churches, always faced opposition. But in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, he's in Corinth. Probably the, one of the most wicked and licentious cities of the New Testament. You know, there was a phrase that they had. If somebody was, was, was given over to immorality and debauchery, they, called, they said he was Corinthianized. <laughs> Meaning he had given over to wickedness. That's how wicked Corinth was. But he goes into Corinth and is preaching the gospel. And, and of course, there is some opposition. But the Lord appeared to him in Acts 18, verse 9 and 10. And says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Even as he's in, had been arrested, Imprisoned in Acts twenty three eleven, it says the night following the Lord stood by him and said, Be a good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also in Rome. See the, and these promises are to us. You know, one of the one of the most blessed promises to me in the Bible is in in Second Timothy two and verse thirteen it says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. You know, I was reminded of that this morning as we're looking in, in Brother Chris is looking through Nehemiah. How Israel sinned over and over against the Lord, yet he preserved them. He sustained them in the wilderness, though they rebelled against him. And so, so these promises are, you know, there are many promises to corporate Israel. And there are promises to us. Matthew 16, 18, he says, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, there will always be churches till the Lord comes. Just like ours. 
The Lord promised to keep His church and preserve them and gave them the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You know, we have the message that gives eternal life as to many as, many as will call upon Him, which gives entrance into the kingdom of God. We have the promise of His presence. In John 14, verse 23, Jesus answered, said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And so we have that promise. He will never leave us, nor forsake us. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. So when the world deprives you of something that is dear to you in this world, the Lord is your helper, and he will take you up. You see, these are personal promises. They're also predictable. Do you know that God is very predictable? Because God doesn't change. In verse 5 he says, There shall not be any man be able to stand against thee, stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. God is very predictable. Do you ever, you ever have somebody talk to you about somebody and you, you might say something like this, well, I know what he's going to do based on his track record. He's predictable. He's consistent. You know, it could be good or bad, but you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. You know, I, I know what he's going to do or I know, I know how she's going to act or react. I, I just know because that's the way they are. Your word predictable means expected especially on the basis of previous or known behavior. You know, a promise is only as good as the character of one making the promise. Now, when we think about God's promises, we're talking about somebody whose character is impeccable. It's immutable. It doesn't change. He's unchanging. Now, you know, we, we get promises out of, you know, our government here in North Carolina and, you know, out of Washington all the time, but, you know, they're, they're, about as, they're about as stable as water, you know. It just goes wherever it wants to go. And, and you know, we have no confidence in that because uh, of the track record, you know. But anyway, but, but God's story, his record is credible. So this promise to Joshua and Israel is worthy of confidence. God's promises to us are worthy of confidence. Did the Lord keep his promises to Moses? But you know, those promises weren't just to Moses. They went beyond Moses. They carried over into Joshua's life. And he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. You know, even the promise he gave to children of Israel, take them in the land of Israel, did he keep his promise? Well, there's a generation that didn't see it. But their children did. God kept his part of the promise. The people didn't always keep their part. You know, sometimes we don't, we fail to see the promises of God come to pass in our life because we don't keep our part. We don't obey the command that God gives us. But God always keeps his promise. Those children that were under 20 years old that, that the parents said would be a prey to the people in the land, God took into the land and used them to conquer the land. 
See, God keeps his promise. You know, he keeps his promises of judgment. It's predictable. You know, I heard Bill Rice III say several times that his dad used to say about young people. He, he might see a young person that's rebellious and going against the Lord, and he said he would say this, I could write his life story of how it's going to end or come out. You need to consider where you're coming. You know, God kept his promises. The children of Israel didn't obey him and go into the promised land when he commanded them. And then he said in, in chapter 14 of verse Numbers, uh, <clears throat> chapter 14, verse 34, in the book of Numbers, after the number of the days in which ye searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, ye shall bear your iniquities, even 40 years, ye shall know my breach of promise. You didn't keep my promise, you'll know it. And, and so it's going to be 40 years every year for every day. And, and, <clears throat> and he said, uh, he told them not to rebel against the Lord. And so, you know, God's promises are predictable. They're predictable. In Psalm 47, verse 2 says, The Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. Psalm 68, 35, O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be the God. Be God. Uh, Psalm 76, verse 12 says, He shall cut off the spirit of princes. He is terrible to the kings of the earth. And, you know, when the, when the children of Israel actually finally came into the land, they found out that these people were terrified of them. God did that. God had prepared for the conquering of the land, just as he promised. Just as he promised he would. Did God keep his promises to his disciples? To his churches? Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> says this. And this is really a promise. It's, it can be negative or it can be po- positive. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. See, we reap what we sow. God is a God who keeps His promises whether it's promises of blessing or promises of judgment. You know, if you, re- you go back and read, and I'm not going to read it for sake of time this morning, all of Deuteronomy 28, there's about 70-some verses. But he gives them promises or conditions of blessing in the land, in the first part of the chapter. And then in the last half of the chapter, it's promises of cursing if they fail to obey his commands. And, you know, it's really a matter of choice in our part of which we are going to receive from the hand of God. But they're both promises from God. Promises that are very predictable.
You don't mock God. God's not mocked. God's not mocked. He's very predictable. And yet, God is good to us. Psalm 73 verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Psalm 84 verse 11 says, The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. David said in Psalm 34 and verse 6, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. You know, and even in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So these promises are predictable. If you live to please God, you can expect God's favor and blessing. If you live in rebellion against God, you can expect God's judgment and chastisement. That's what's going to happen. It's like handwriting on the wall. It's time to read it and take heed. And if you're in rebellion against God, you need to repent. You need to turn around. Turn from your wicked ways. God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God has no pleasure in the chastisement of his children. There's many times I chastise my children. I can't remember really ever enjoying any of it. You see, God's promises are predictable. Third thing we see here is the practical. His promises are practical. Practical. Verse 2 through 4 says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, God's, God's very practical and very truthful and very plain spoken. Moses is dead. Now, you know, when you speak of death to a lot of people, they're like, oh, no, Moses is dead. It's the way it happens in life. Now, now you need to continue on. Can you continue on? Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. <clears throat> From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. So he's telling him, look, you need to, you need to go over this, Jordan. This is how you do it. This is how, this is how the promises apply to life. You need to, you need to, 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 to uh, rise up. Time of mourning is over. You know, they had a time of mourning for Moses, and that's okay. It's all right to have a time of mourning for those that have passed on, but now it's time to go on with life. The old year has passed. Let's go on. Let's go on. And, and, he, and he says, you need to claim the promises I give to you. Every place that your, your, your sole of your foot shall tread upon that have I given it. So every place I direct you to walk in will be yours. You know, every place that God directs in your life is an opportunity for you to serve him. It's an opportunity for you to serve him. Every, 
And, and we need to go forward. We need to act on the promises of God. Again, we can't live in the victories of, la- of yesteryear. We have to go forward. We must press on. We must press forward. No matter what the year brings to us. You know, again, it, it, might, be, it might be some servitude or, or some, some, uh, something that we, we don't like that the Lord allows to come into our lives as Americans, and we don't like it, but we've got to serve the Lord there. You know, the children of Israel were taken into bondage. And they were in bondage to the uh, uh, Persians in the book of Nehemiah. But you know who took them into bondage? The Lord did. And they were to serve the Lord even in that bondage. And so there was preparations that need to be made. Look at verse, drop down to verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get going here. Saying, pass through the host and command the people, saying, prepare you vittles. Hey, you need to get some food ready. You need to prepare food. We're going to move. You know, when the army is going to move, you need, need to have some vittles ready uh, to feed them while they're on the move. Pass through the host, command the people, saying, prepare you vittles. For within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go into the possess the land which the Lord God giveth you to possess it. So prepare to move. Prepare for food for the battle. Uh, we need to prepare to engage the enemy. Prepare to engage the enemy. And, and we are to work together in unity. Notice verse 12 through 16. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which the Moses of the servant Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord hath, your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them. Until the Lord have given your brethren rest, as he had given you, they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then shall you return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side, Jordan, toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Now, understand the context here. Reuben, Gad, uh, Reuben, Manasseh, and uh, Reuben the Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh had taken land on the east side of the Jordan River. They saw it was good land for cattle. That wasn't originally what God was going to give them, but it was a good land for cattle. And those kings had come out and fought against them, and Israel conquered them. And, and, and the land was there for the taking, so they asked Moses, can we have this land? It's good for cattle. And he, he took the matter to the Lord, and the Lord said, they can have it. Well, they already got their land. But the rest of the land is unconquered. And so Moses said, look, as long as you go in, you send your armies into the land to help the rest of the nation get their land, you can have this land. But if you not, then you need to cross over. And they said, we'll do that. We'll help. We've already found rest, but we will help the rest of the nation, the rest of the tribes find rest also. You know, it speaks like a church that's working together. In fact, go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual... Restore such a one 
in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens. That's what he's commanding them to do there in Joshua, to bear the burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens, so, so fulfill the law of Christ. For a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, not another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let the is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So there's to be a working together and helping all come to a place of rest and security in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> Excuse me. And helping, and helping one another to grow in the grace of Christ. But this, all, this also requires a sanctifying of ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. A sanctifying of ourselves. And, and, and we see that here, in, uh, again in verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the office of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals three days. You shall pass over this Jordan to go in and possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And, and so they are to prepare themselves. They prepare food, but they prepare themselves as well. And, and so... Uh, and then in verse 17, he says, According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses. And whosoever be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of a good courage. So they were to set their hearts on keeping the commands of God. And we, we see this further in chapter 3. In verse, um, verse uh, 10, I think it is. No, verse 5. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves to the morrow the Lord will do wonders. So they're preparing to, you know, this is all in preparation to pass over Jordan. And they're, they're to sanctify themselves, which means to separate themselves apart unto the Lord to serve the Lord. Now, 2 Timothy 2.21 says, If a man therefore purge himself from these... He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, that word sanctified be set apart, and meet, or fit, for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Now God is preparing the children of Israel to go in and keep his promise, that is, to conquer the land as he commanded. But he says you need to sanctify yourself. You need to separate, you need to examine yourselves, and separate, or put out of your life, the things that are displeasing to the Lord. One of those things we see in chapter 5, circumcision. They had not circumcised in the wilderness. And so in chapter 5, again, they're not, they've not crossed Jordan yet. This is all preparation. In verse 9 it says, and we won't read all this for sake of time, but verse 9 it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day, so that he circumcised all the men that had not been circumcised in the wilderness. You know, these, these are not little boys. These are grown men. This is the fighting force. And he circumcised them. Their circumcision represented their separation unto the Lord. And so, and he says in verse 9, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away from from off you, rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal on this day. I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt. You know, Egypt is a type of the world. 
It's the type of the world. We need to rule away the things of this world. The desires, the affections of this world. And seek the things which be of God. We need to set them aside. You know, in the Second Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Look at a couple passages of scripture here. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says this. Examine yourselves. You know, there were some, obviously, some questions that Paul had concerning some of the Corinthians. And he said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? Examine yourselves. In Psalm 139, verses 23 through 20 and 24, uh, the psalmist said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, we need to examine ourselves, Lord, is this right? Am I following in the right path? Am I doing the right things? You know, one of the things they did in Nehemiah chapter 9 was they fasted, they put on sackcloth. You know, sackcloth is an irritating material. It irritates your skin. They made themselves uncomfortable. You know, it's uncomfortable enough to fast. It's a denial of self. It's a, it's a self-humiliation. And this is all about self-humiliation and examine themselves before God. They're trying to humble themselves before God and, and allow God to examine them to see if there's any wicked way in them. <coughs> and, you know, the psalmist says, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, the Lord will always lead you in a right way. In fact, John eight twelve says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Does your way seem dark? Difficult? Filled with problems and afflictions? Consider it. Is it filled with unsecure and uncertainties? Insecurity and uncertainties? Lack of confidence? You better consider it. Because God, God doesn't lead in insecurity or uncertainties. He leads in confidence and assurance based upon his promises. That's the direction of the Lord. And so they were to sanctify themselves. They were to fight the enemy. They were to fight the enemy. And, and he said in verse 5, There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not forsake thee, or not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And, of course, you know, as you read on in the book of Joshua, they're commanded to drive out all these people. You know, they were to engage the enemy. You know, we, we are to engage the world with the gospel. But, you know, we need to be prepared. You know, if you're going to go into war and engage the enemy, you need to, how, need to know how to use your weapons. You need to know your weapons. I mean, if it malfunctions, you need to know how to fix it. You know, these people were encamped in Gilgal, 
And, and God is telling them, and he's preparing them to get ready to fight. That's what all this is about. And Gilgal is on the eastern border of Jericho. Jericho is all fortified and, and walled up. And, and, and so he, he, he's preparing them. He's sharpening their swords, getting ready to fight. You know, when we go out in the world, we need to have a sharp sword. Now, what does that mean? Well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know, if you don't know the word of God, and you go out there and you engage the world in conversation about the gospel, they're probably going to shame you. They're probably going to shame you. Now, they may ask unreasonable and hard questions to try and shame you. Don't be ashamed if there's, you know, if they start asking questions like, um, you know, where did King get his wife? You know what that is? That's a foolish question. He married his sister. Now, a lot of people, they were allowed to do that back then. That's all there were. There weren't anybody else. You know, that, that's just common sense if you really start to think about it. But, but you know, some people, how many of you ever thought about that before? Um, most people don't think about it. Most, the people that usually think about stuff like that is the people that are caught, trying to cause, cast doubt on what you believe. But we need to know the scriptures. We need to know what the Bible says. We need to have our, sh- our, our sword sharp. First Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. So you need to know why you believe that you are saved. You know how you get saved. See, we need to have a sharp sword. We need to be reading and studying the scriptures. Prepared to do battle with the world. You see, if we're going to engage the enemy and we're going to be successful, if we're going to have any success, we have to know our Lord and our Savior. We have to know what he has commanded us. We have to know what he has commanded us to say. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. We need to know what the gospel is. It's not just this little formula that you can, you know, one, two, three, four, step five, and you're saved. That's that's not the gospel. Now, the gospel is the same to everyone, but everybody looks at it from a different perspective, and we need to know what the scriptures say so we can answer every man's questions because they view God differently. And so it's imperative that you and I have understanding of the scriptures. So that we can engage the enemy. Now, look at chapter 5. And this is, this is really what Israel is doing. And it commences in chapter 5, in verses 13 through 15. 
you know, they're encamped in Gilgal, right up against Jericho, and they've been there for three days. They've been there for a time. Actually, they were at Jordan River for three days, and then now they're here for a time. And in verse 13, it says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Now, it says that Joshua was by Jericho. So he's out. I believe Joshua's out scouting. He's the one that God had given the command. Now, Moses is dead, and God has given the command to Joshua to go in to lead children of Israel in to possess the land. So Joshua's got to figure out, how do I conquer Jericho? Military strategy. He's spying. He's looking the city over. It's got two walls. It's believed one wall is wide enough to ride three chariots side by side on top. And there's a wall inside a wall. The gates are all shut. There's no way to get in. And I believe Joshua's out there looking. He's, he's, he's seeking the Lord. How do I conquer this place? You know, it's when you're seeking the Lord. You've set yourself apart. You've rolled off the reproach of the world. And you've set yourself apart to seek the Lord that the Lord answers. The Lord gives you direction. In verse 14, and he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. And then you have chapter 6 where the Lord gives instructions to Joshua how to conquer Jericho. You know, if you want the Lord's direction in your life, you have to be willing to seek it, to do it. You know, Joshua's seeking the mind of God. But unwilling to, you're unwill, until you're willing to sanctify yourself, you're willing to seek the mind of the Lord and to do the mind of the Lord and to follow His direction, there'll be no direction. You know, a lot of people don't understand the Bible because they really don't want to know. They really don't want to do it. No. We need to seek him. We need to prepare and be willing to do what he says. And then we need to be willing to sacrifice one another, even as the children of Israel did. The Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe, they all worked together. They had a common purpose. And everyone did their part. They unified around the word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. In, I'm about finished. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast, profession our faith without wavering, for faith was he that promised. Let us not consider one another, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Not forsaking the sum of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. You see, even though Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh, tribe of Manasseh, 
already had rest. They already had their lamb. They already received their promise. And the other tribes helped them get their promise. They said, we will help the rest till all have their promises fulfilled to them. And God commands us here, we're to hold fast and we're to consider one another. We're to help one another. We're to encourage one another. So much more as to see a day approaching. So where are you as we walk into this new year? Are you receiving of the God's promises? Are you applying them to your life? Are you seeking his direction and guidance? You know, the Lord's way is confidence and assurance and certainty. To rebel against him brings uncertainty. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Are you walking with him, keeping his commandments? Oh, the Lord wants us to prosper in the new year. And we will prosper if we walk in his way.